Welcome to another edition of One Bottle at a Time. I'm your host, Ronald Dorsey, and today we're with Ms. Shauna Sargent of the Indie Cafe in Long Island City, New York. Hello, Shauna. How are you today? Hi, I'm great. All Thank right, you. good, wonderful. And can you please tell the audience the one bottle that we're sharing today? All right, so this is called La Chape by um, Lafif Noir. It's uh, Chenin Blanc from Manjou, um, 2018. <clears throat> this is my perfect fall white. Okay, wonderful. I've been drinking a lot of this. All right, good, good. It, wonderful, delicious, delicious. And uh, actually, I came here, uh, I guess the first time perhaps, uh, perhaps three years ago. And uh, ever since then, I've been coming back. And the reason I've been coming back is because of the quality of the service and also the quality of the cuisine, along with the wine, has been excellent. And uh, as, as we all know here in New York City, finding a uh, kind of a favorite place or a place that has consistency, a lot of, sometimes that can be a, uh, quite, a, quite a task. So that's why I'm here. I, I uh, actually came one maybe a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, had something I enjoyed and spoke to uh, uh, one of the people here and they told me all about you. And I asked if we could do an episode. So here we are today. Well, thanks so much for yeah, coming. Good, good. Okay. So tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Indie Cafe here in uh, uh, Long Island City and, and how you got it started here and how long you've been here. All right. Well, this is our second location. Um, we've been here since November 2017, so we just past our two-year anniversary. Um, our original location is in Lincoln Center. Mm. Um, we're directly in Lincoln Center, right across the street from uh, the Ju- Juilliard School. Mm. Um, we've been there since uh, 2011, November, again. Um, yeah, I, I, so the reason we opened this location, uh, we, were, we were searching for the best place in New York to, to do our kind of special style that we have. Um, I live in this building, so oh, wonderful, wonderful. I, I've been here in the neighborhood for five years. So I've been seeing it grow. Um, I just felt like this could work here. So yeah, good. We started, we started looking around mm. three years ago. We found one space. It didn't really work out. And then, actually, the, the landlord for Rock Rose, which is one of the buildings, the building we're in, um, approached me and said she'd been going to our location in Lincoln Center for mm. years. She, same idea as me. So she told me to look at this space, which... It just happened to be in the same building that I live in. Wow. So it all kind of worked out perfectly. Um, yeah, and, and we've been doing really well here. The neighborhood is receiving us. Wow. Well, yeah. we're, we're, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And uh, I guess for those of you not familiar with uh, New York City, Long Island City, uh, where we're at today, uh, primarily historically was a uh, industrial area with a lot of manufacturing and uh, also warehouses, things of that nature, right along the uh, East River. Uh, for our literary buffs, right across from uh, a place formerly known as Blackwell's Island. And today it's called Roosevelt's Island. So a little, 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 little literary gem for our, our literary fans that also are, are wine people. And uh, 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 Indy is definitely, as she said, it's in a neighborhood that's, that's growing like crazy. Uh, lots of uh, high rises and skyscrapers that once didn't exist. And a uh, very, uh, very chic area. And uh, as I mentioned, I came upon it 
myself, and, and uh, I'm a frequent visitor to uh, the area as well. So uh, give us an idea of uh, some of the cuisine that you, that you do here that keeps me coming back and keeps, uh, keeps others coming back. Um, so we try to, I mean, our concept is just make really good food and mm. make it from scratch okay. with love. Mm. So we, um, you know, we've been working with uh, most of our vendors for years and years. So we know their product. We are um, happy the stuff uh, the stuff we can get. Um, we get really good quality, uh, you know, foods from them. Okay. Um, and then we don't do too much with it. We we find really good things. We don't mess with them too much. And we just you know everything's everything is prepared by us. Right. With a lot of love and good intention. Keep it and simple. And I think right? that, exactly. Um, we're not trying to do too much. We just do, we keep it simple, but we uh, we have a lot of integrity and a lot of pride in, in what we do. So mm. <clears throat> we try to please everybody. Um, and yeah, we just we just want to make like really good food. That's good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, and uh, I can attest to it. Like you said, you please everyone. And that obviously that starts with the service. Even, uh, the, you know, the service is where everything begins. And that, as I said before, that was the thing that kind of grabbed me, the consistency of the service and the cuisine. So now, do you source your ingredients uh, in a seasonal manner? or Definitely, okay. yeah. We change the menu at both locations twice a year. Okay. Um, we, we bring in our, our fall stuff as soon as it starts to get cold, so squashes, kale, um, all the good, like, hearty winter stuff. We just change the menu about two or three weeks ago just the season started to turn um and then in the summer we definitely go for the the summery summery lighter lighter things mm, yeah. we use a lot of local stuff so um, um and uh yeah source sources locally as possible okay, is, is sort of good. our idea we love visiting the farmers markets and um, having those relationships too. Wonderful, wonderful, and uh, that that's really good because I know that can be a trick. Uh, as I said before, with the consistency of the cuisine, one of the things I noticed that happens is, uh, uh, you know, going to different restaurants over the years, is there are times when uh, there are times when you go to a place, you know, the first couple of times you like it, maybe you go a third time you like it. And uh, maybe you grab a friend and come along, you know, maybe you haven't been there in maybe seven months. They've been open seven months, eight months going on a year. And maybe after a year and a half, you return with a friend and you're excited to bring them there. You get there, you sit down, you get your meal. And it's like, what happened? You know, it's like this is not the same quality I had in the beginning. So one of the things that's tough in the restaurant business, and I guess, you know, particularly here in New York City, I notice is sometimes a place will have great success. They'll start out with really good service, really good food. And then after maybe a year or two, after they've had some financial success also, the service and maybe even the food, it starts to tail off a bit. You know, and it's like, wow, what happened? You know, and, and you know, the bucks are rolling in, but the food is not what it used to be. So now as a, as a, as a person that's in this business, what, what are some of the challenges that you know that you have in keeping that consistency and keeping a a repeat customer like myself returning. Well, I think the most important thing for us is the people we hire, the staff that we have, 
in both locations. Um, we've been really lucky to find amazing people. Um, and it turns into more of a family sort of atmosphere. Like, we're here for the guests, of course, but we also need to have an amazing time at work. Mm. That's what keeps people um, staying, you know? Um, so make the staff happy. The staff are happy at their jobs. And then they, they can bring that to the guests, mm. you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, it says... It's, it's sort of bad to say, like, the staff comes first and, right, and then right. the guests. Right, right, right. But really, we need to have a good a good time doing this, you right, know, or right. else, like... And that's what sort of flows down to the guests, is if we're all having a great time at work and we're happy to be here and we believe in what we're pouring and what we're serving, then that comes through to, right. to the people dining here. And I said, I think that's what what makes people feel special. Right. So the food that you eat and the, the wine that you drink is the same that you extend to your to your clientele. Exactly. Right. Wonderful. Exactly. Wonderful. Yep. Good. Good. Now this neighborhood uh, obviously recently uh, went through uh, a bit of controversy in the news with the uh, Amazon was uh, going to uh, relocate, not necessarily relocate, but have their second headquarters here and, and obviously with some of the development we can see here there was great anticipation anticipation for that uh, that didn't happen but uh, nevertheless uh, New York City with the vibrancy and the uh, population that it has the uh, development that's taking place here still can thrive yes. and uh, you can still have places uh, you know like yourself which are steps from uh, from the uh, Queensboro Plaza uh, subway station and they can still come and enjoy a, uh, a good time. Not just a good meal, but a good time For and sure. uh, return again. So another thing that happens here in, in uh, New York in particular is that uh, an establishment like yourself can be around for a while. Some places, let's say, they, let's say they've been around seven, eight years, done really, really well. And uh, some new place moves in next door. And uh, they get one of the prizes that a lot of people wish for in, in New York City is a review in the New York Times. They get a good review in the New York Times and that brings uh, crowds and flocks and they grow. And, and sometimes what happens is the established place that was there already kind of fades away, even from that review. So that is another challenge you know, that uh, someone like yourself can have. And there are places that survive those reviews and survive the, the uh, new place moving next door. And I think that your uh, level of quality uh, can sustain in that type of, uh, type of environment. So, uh, you know, once again, you know, other than the, like you said, the main thing is your, your staff and the cuisine and uh, your warmth. And is that, is that the main way to survive that type of onslaught when someone new arrives with a lot of fanfare? Well, it has to be uh, a number of things that, you know, bring the whole experience together for the guests. Um, we're really lucky to be in this neighborhood. This neighborhood seems big and, and full of steel, but it's actually um, quite small mm. and... and uh, neighborhoody, like an actual neighborhood. Right, like we right. know, um, t 
tons of people in the building and, and th- you know, through the restaurant. Also, my kids go to school around the corner. Wow. Great. We're friends with the restaurant across the street. Okay. And um, the community is a big part of that. So right. what, what we sort of um, strive for in that situation is keep, um, keep our integrity, keep the consistency, mm. and keep doing what we're doing and, and try, you know, instead of the competition aspect of it, um, in making friends and forming relationships with that restaurant or whatever restaurant is right. opening that you would consider competition and sort of doing stuff together. Okay. Um, and we're kind of in our own niche market here now. There's a lot of pizza places. There's a lot of um, Japanese places. Um, nobody's really sort of doing what we're doing. Mm. So we're we're lucky in that sense. But even if something were to open in this new hotel across the street that's that's opening next year, I would I would try to sort of cultivate a relationship with them right, and, right, and sort of right. do stuff together to, to keep our neighborhood mm. together. Right. You know? Right. So make it more of a community versus a competition. That's what that's what we love. That's right. what we're about. Good, wonderful. Sure. And now your uh, your wine selection that you have is very good for a quote unquote cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you uh, choose some of your wines from your uh, I guess from your from your reds to your whites. How do you how do you select your well, choices in wine? First of all, it has to go with the um, food. Mm. Our food is light lighter fare sandwiches salads we have like a few um you know substantial more substantial dishes Mm. um but yeah so nothing here is going to be too heavy you're not going to get like a huge syrah or um you know a a big bordeaux um because it won't go with anything here we don't have steak or duck or anything um so that's the biggest thing um and then second to that, um, well, not second to that, but value is extremely important too. Right, we right, never want, right. uh, you know, if you're paying $12 for a sandwich, you don't want to spend $20 on your glass of wine that's going with that sandwich. So um, value is super important. So we have a specific price point. Right, right. And yeah. then um, we we need the stories. We need the special people that are, are really honestly making wine like in the same way that this is a small business right. and you know I'm touching everything in this restaurant every day mm. that's the people we want to buy wine from uh, ones that are really connected to what they do and it, for them it's a, a huge passion it's not like a, you know they're not producing 30,000 100,000 cases of their wine they're making right. They're making it small. They're making it with great value, but they're putting a lot of love and emotion in, into it as well. And that's like what we do here. So um, we've been the, the certain um, vendors that we use. We know that they're extremely connected to their winemakers. Uh, so we tend to just go with those people, so that so that we know and we know the stories. We know the people that are making this wine that we're drinking, and that's really important. Mm. So now, do you have occasion to sometimes uh, visit any of the uh, the vintners that, that that supply you? Or? I have not okay. had that opportunity yet, but I, I need to do that in the next little while. Okay, wonderful. Um, we have our partner here has a little um, 
vineyard in, in Burgundy, mm. um, and I've been dying to get out there. Burgundy is probably my favorite wine region. Okay. Um, any day now, I swear. As soon as this All thing right. can keep itself going. Wonderful, wonderful. So now, one, one of the questions we like to ask our guest is, uh, what was that first wine that you had that, that knocked your socks off? And you were like, wow. And it kind of took you on your, on your wine journey. Well, there's been a, a lot. Um, a lot before this wine, but for some reason this one really sticks out in my mind. Nice and clean, definitely. Right? It's... Uh, it's it was a white lambrusco mm. and I, I mean i was i was working as a cook that's my background okay. I, I in new york for 10 years um and i i started working at this restaurant where the uh the wine director was this extremely passionate person and every pre-shift meeting i would talk about the food and then he would talk about the wine but it was just it was so emotional, everything. So he, he poured this white Lambrusco, and it was like November, or a very cold day. And I never tasted anything like it. Mm. I've been drinking red Lambrusco for a mm. long time. Um, but there was something like champagne about it. It was very yeasty, mm. very rich, almost like a cross um, between uh, orange wine and a champagne. Wow. And, mm. yeah, crazy flavors. I, was, I didn't know wine could taste that way. Mm. So from then on, I started really listening and um, became obsessed. So it's like all I wanted to drink was mm-hmm. wine all the time. Wow. So now, do you primarily choose your selection here, or do you have uh, other people that are involved with that process? I love to hear input. Okay. I love to have everyone that works here sit down with me mm. when we're tasting, but mostly I pick it. Okay. Um, keep, <laughs> Good choice. I keep going back to the ones I love to. It's right. really hard for me to put new things on the menu. I always right. want to go back to these things I love. Like we tra- we change the wine menu really frequently. Like as soon as something right. runs out, we put something different on. Hmm. But I keep wanting to go back to some of the wow the great ones. So now that first Lambrusco that, that blew you away, mm-hmm. would, you, would you happen to recall the uh, the name of it, the vintage? It or? was Lini. It was a uh, uh, non-vintage. Okay. Um, and I believe, I, can't, I, I really, I think Union Square, the wine store in Union Square is like... Right, the, Union Square Wines. Ex- the, excellent store. Yeah, right, right. it's an amazing store. Right, okay. I think they carry it. I haven't had it in a long time. I, I should revisit it. Cause okay. This okay. was about eight years ago, maybe longer. Mm. Um, but I just, I'll never forget it. It was so delicious. Wow. wow. Le- Laney's a big producer, so it's, right. it's not like it was anything like insanely special but hmm. but that specifically is sort of what changed it for me made me really start um, thinking about wine differently and, and shifting away from, from hmm. food a little bit okay so now as you mentioned you have another location in, in uh, Lincoln Center yes and uh, so for yourself to uh, get into uh, the restaurant business obviously you said you, you started out as a cook at different places uh, what would you recommend to someone that's considering uh, going into the business and, and starting their own cafe or their, their own restaurant. What would you recommend? How would you recommend them or give them any advice on that? The biggest thing is you need the experience. Don't mm. rush into it mm. because if you don't have a full scope of what's going on, you're trusting other people to do it. And and I don't think like unless you you've done it yourself, um, it's really hard to 
you know, have have the full scope of right, it. Right. And where I, I trust, I trust everyone that works here because I know them. You really have to do all the jobs. Like right, somebody that just right. comes in from a different um, occupation to to just say, I'm going to open a restaurant. You will be floored. Like. A, what goes into it right <laughs> you you have right. to have the experience you have to put the time in You're, right. you have to get your hands dirty you have to be able to work all the time right right it's an insane business yeah so kind of like you uh i guess kind of like the the old man you know the guy that's uh 70 years old and he's the boss and he runs everything yeah and, that guy's uh, got experience right right he you know he and then and there's some young guy that comes in 22, 23 years old, and he's doing something there, and, you know, he kind of figures that what he's doing is important, and then, you know, I mean, you know, when you're young, you're very, very uh, impatient, so maybe one day he comes to work, and he's like, you know what, they need me here, you know, I think I should be paid a little more, he should pay me a little more, so he storms into the office, and he tells, he tells the manager, tells the old man, you know, old man, hey, you know, you know, I can, I can use a... You know, I can use a nice little bump in what you pay me. I, I think I'm important to what I do here, you know. And the old man says, okay, well, you know what? I, I, you know, you do, you do make a very important contribution. We appreciate it. And, uh, but at the moment, you know, we're not in a position to up your salary. So if you can just hang in there with us, you know, we'll, we'll be able to do that. So, you know, being a young person that's uh, impatient and, you know, in a hurry. And I know that because I've been there myself. You know, you just kind of storm out and, yeah, you know what, Mr. Old Man, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? So, yeah, you know, so whatever he does, right, so whatever he does, he after he finishes talking to the old man, he storms out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a young guy, so, he, you know, more than likely he can walk across the street and get a job. So he storms out. So now what happens? What happens is, the old man comes from behind the desk and proceeds to do what the young guy was doing it because he's done it before and he knows how it's done right so that goes along with like you said you have to to have a knowledge of the business from every aspect a lot of times to to make it successful and uh also to to keep it successful you know so you know that's uh definitely definitely a way to go you know so, okay, so uh, one of the things we like to uh, also talk about here at One Bottle at a Time is uh, short stories. We like to have a little literary gem. And uh, just wanted to uh, throw out my, uh, my short story of the day is uh, from uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, O. Henry. He's considered the uh, father of the American short story. There's an uh, award that's given every year to uh, writers uh, in his namesake. And uh, mine for today is a story called After 20 Years, a really, really wonderful story. I I can't imagine that it's more than three pages, but it's chock full of uh, (laughs) wonderful anecdotes. So do do you have a uh, short story of the day you'd like to share with us, one that's uh, written written by someone or one you can share from your own experience? I don't... I don't know. This is such a tough question for me because I, I have, along with running these two restaurants, I okay. have two very small children. Okay, so you should They're have you should have a story six. somewhere. You got two well, small children. Well, all I keep okay. thinking of is these like <laughs> gross poems from Shel Silverstein. Okay. 
And, um, yeah, we've been going to those a lot. Okay. Uh, we like the, there's a, you know, where the sidewalk ends. All right. I, I always just want to, like, dive into that book right, and, good. and read Wonderful. something fun and stupid and super smart, though, at the same right, time, right. you know. Okay. Yeah, and how, how old are your children, may I ask? Four and six. Four and six. Yes. Oh, that keeps you busy. They're probably <laughs> going to be here shortly. Okay. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Practice, but okay. Yeah. So All right. I, I love the opportunity to, to start reading again, but I'm not sure that's going to yeah, happen. Well, like I said, you know, I think I had, uh, when we spoke a little earlier, I mentioned yeah. to you that was the way I kind of fell into short stories was uh, when my children were younger, you know, and I would be in the playground with them. Yeah. And I would try to concentrate on some some uh, complex novel. I couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. They're running around, you you know, they're falling. You hear somebody scream and cry, and you oh my god, you got to run and grab this one. And, and there's a little fist fight, and somebody dropped their ice cream. And yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay, so if I want to sit out here and have fun with them and then read something, I got to grab some short stories. So. That's that's what led me to it, you know. So you know the wonders of, uh, of being a parent. So now, can you can you uh, you know as a parent with young children, can you share uh, with the audience some of the uh, nuggets and some of the gems in perspective on life as a parent that we get uh, with our children, and we kind of take that and we can sometimes look at a a, a uh, challenge that we have in everyday life as an adult and having children puts it in perspective and it becomes like yeah you know what that's really not a big deal yeah, right. <laughs> right i think that's one of the things that our children gives us it gives us perspective on what's what's really important so can you share maybe a little nugget of something that you've done with your children and it kind of gave you that perspective well, I mean, perspective is the word. Perspective is, like, one of the most important words to me. It's the thing that sort of changed everything, um, you know, for managing for me. Um, and and with my kids. It's like, you have to look at it from the other side, you know? So when the kids get crazy or when they're tired or sad or, like, you got to put yourself in their shoes and, and figure out what's going on mm. from what they're seeing, mm. how they're feeling, you know? And then I take that to work, and it's the same with the people that work with me. It's mm. like, why are they upset? What's going on? Shift the view mm. and, and learn the other side, the perspective. Right. Take um, that's something that's that's been uh, a constant to me since I got into like a, a strong management role is is getting other people's perspectives and how important that is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean mm. that that's like a strong strong word for me. Mm. I guess for me, uh, when my children were younger, the thing that gave me a uh, one particular experience that gave me really an abstract approach to. I guess, uh, challenges or problems or a way to approach things. And that's why I'm here today doing a podcast is I had a, uh, one of my daughters at the time was uh, three years old and we were visiting some relatives for the holidays. I think it was around Christmas. So we're up late one night and it's about uh, 1 a.m. and I'm watching a movie and I've been trying to get her to go to sleep for a couple hours and she's still bouncing around. And I'm watching the movie. So then she saunters up to me and she's, Daddy, I, wanna, I want some ice cream. And I'm like, ice cream? 
you want some ice cream? It's like, it's one o'clock in the morning. No, you can't have any ice cream. No, you can't. And she kept asking me, Daddy, well, I want some ice cream. I'm, I'm pleading with her, just go to bed. You can't have any ice cream. It's too late. You can have some tomorrow. So then I'm watching this movie, and then maybe about 20 minutes into it, it dawned on me that it wasn't 1 a.m. It was time for ice cream. You know? Mm. So I gave her the ice cream because what she made clear to me, you know, was that it was time for ice cream. So for her, it wasn't 1 a.m. For me, it was 1 a.m., right? As an adult, because my world is on a clock, right? For her, her world is <laughs> not on a clock. So it dawned on me to, you know, just give her the ice cream because for her, it's time for ice cream. It's yeah. not 1 a.m., it's time for ice cream. So for me, that was a lesson for me in my approach to different challenges and different things in life is not necessarily always approaching it, you know, uh, in a structured manner. So that kind of taught me that sometimes you have to approach some challenges or some opportunities uh, in a more unstructured or in a more transparent or, I'm sorry, in a, in a more abstract Matter, yeah, and uh, so that was one of my one of my lessons from my children well, <laughs> that that I always to, carry with me all the time, you know. So we used to. Um, I had my youngest one. He's wild. He's crazy. Um, we're not sure what is going to happen with him. He's either going to be like, you know, someone that never wears shoes or some like, right. um, you know, very intelligent. Um, person i'm not sure yet but we always used to give him like smells of of wine and taste and mm. ask him to describe it like just for fun and he would always like nail it he'd be like oh this wow. smells like pears mm. or this smells like strawberries mm. and it was really cool but then he started like sipping it and and then he was like two years old we were at this cafe and my head turned and he took the biggest swig of wine <laughs> and I was like oh my god we can't do this anymore like mm. he was he was literally drunk mm. and it was very bad wow. um, so <laughs> you know little steps yeah. <laughs> don't let them get carried away because they will right but you know you that, 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 that kind of leads me to a uh, another thing I guess with the culture you know uh, here in the United States because I've you know obviously I've met people that grew up in, in Europe, particular, in particular in France and Spain and South America. And, and they talk about how they were introduced to wine. At a really young age. Right, at yeah. a really young age. No. You know, it wasn't something that was taboo because it was, it was on the dinner table every day, yeah. every night. And people had it for lunch. So as a young person, it wasn't kind of a taboo thing. Whereas here in the culture in the United States, you know, it's more of a, more of a taboo as opposed to a cultural experience, right? A yeah, cultural experience that kind of... I mean, there's a lot going on in this glass of wine, you know? Right, and there's right. a lot, like, not just the flavor and the smells, but how it's made. Right, like, right. this is a, a beautiful thing. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, don't let them drink, but... <laughs> You know, right. It's good to introduce to them it. to introduce them to the finer things younger, right? So definitely, right. Yeah. Give them some, right. Give them a little culture to yeah. start with. You Just know, don't get them drunk. We'll right, right. Don't get them drunk. You know? A little wine, a little, yeah. a little literature. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Just let them smell it. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So uh, we, you know, we're gonna end our episode here, and we're gonna uh, thank Miss Shona Sargent of uh, the Indie Cafe here in Long Island City, New York, for joining us. 
And uh, Shauna, if you can tell the uh, audience, once again, the one bottle that we're shared today. So it's, again, the Chenin Blanc, <laughs> La, La Chape from Le Fif Noir. Mm. So delicious. Mm. Perfect fall white. All right. Thank you so very much. And uh, I would say if you're uh, in New York City, in Long Island City, or in the Lincoln Center area, definitely check out Indie Cafe. Please come by. We'd right. love to have you. Excellent food, excellent uh, cuisine. Uh, my recommendation. I, I know I don't think I've uh, recommended a place in any of my episodes, but I really, really enjoyed it here. So, and that's why I'm here. Thank so you. once again, thank you so much for joining us. And, Thank you uh, for having me. All right. We'll see, see you again soon. Okay. This has been Ronald Dorsey for One Bottle at a Time. Keep it moving. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.